Uh, I think it's super idealistic and utopian, but the idea that we could just sort of flip what we have now where we don't know our neighbors, but we're super close to people who live two states away and yeah. instead like be really close with all of our neighbors and uh, travel online to sort of expand our perspective mm. and engage with people who are different than us. I think that that would be a, a much uh, better configuration yeah. of society. I'm into it. That sounds fun. Yeah. Welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly tangential irreverent conversation between two millennial spiritual dilettantes. Nodes in the Net is a Creek Mason podcast and lives at creekmasons.com along with some of my writing about media, metaphysics, and metamodernism. And hey, I just published a trilogy of poem collections on Amazon, all on the topic of this apocalypse we found ourselves in since 2020. You can find links to check that out and ways to contact me and JT at creekmasons.com as well. Follow us on Twitter where we're at Nodes in the Net. Follow the Creek Masons too, that's at Creek Masons. And we're also at Creek Masons on TikTok where I'm posting the intro rants and daily tarot readings in the form of cute little rhyming poems. Alright, so enjoy this conversation. We're going to ramp into it with a selection of writing from creekmasons.com that I thought was... Uh, you know, at least tangentially relevant to this episode. It's about polynosticism and the experience I had after a particularly potent LBRP uh, caused my house to be haunted, potentially. Here it is. Enjoy. I snapped awake to my daughter's horrified, drawn-out scream of, Daddy! It was still dark, but the glowing hallway nightlight illuminated her standing in her bedroom doorway. The door opened just about the width of her tear-streaked face. Her voice a sobbing tremble. She told me there was someone in the house, that she saw and heard someone open her door from her bed. I paced back and forth in front of her room for a few steps, trying to dig our emergency plan out from under an avalanche of panic. After a moment that dilated into an astronomical epoch, I remembered the first step. Get the whole family in one room. So, cross-legged on our bed, my wife and I listened to our daughter, who was wide-eyed and visibly shaking, elucidate for us what woke her. She was atypically articulate as she enunciated each word with unusual precision, a reflex that kids seem to have for situations that demand seriousness. So, I put on a thick jacket and jeans as a sort of armor, and the dog and I investigated the house. There was nothing there. Now, as I talk about this in this episode, I'd characterize my ideological beliefs as polynostic. I tend to buy into more than one explanation for events simultaneously, and only value one story over another because of its pragmatic value. So, for this apparent haunting, what did the pantheon uh, inside me have to say? Mania told me the particularly potent LBRP I had practiced the previous day, the first one accompanied by a visual hallucination I ascribed to etheric energy. It told me I summoned something incorporeal to spur action. Paranoia painted the danger as a home invader working for the shadowy powerful who suicide drew rebels. Smacks of Jeffrey Epstein. Materialism pointed out that our backyard gate and front door were still locked and that it would be strange if not impossible for a burglar to lock up on the way out. My daughter was probably just having a hypnagogic hallucination. I believed all of them because it doesn't serve me to agonize over objective truth. But which one would help me effectively navigate the world? Douglas Rushkoff once described the famous Discordian Robert Anton Wilson as believing in nothing. In essence, all he did was call Ra agnostic, but the latter took a friendly sort of umbrage with that, proclaiming instead that he believes everything simultaneously. I share Ra's philosophy. This polynosticism is best defended by Ralph Waldo Emerson's assertion that consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. I believe everything at once, and then choose to hold in mind that 
explanation that serves me most effectively. Sometimes it gets me closest to my objectives or values to act on paranoia story. Maybe I need to slow myself down to not burn out and the paranoid narrative woven for moments of anxiety is a sign I should shrink the sphere of my concern to my family, to myself, or after a dire overreach to how comfortable a sleeping position I'm in while stuck strung out in bed. Other times, it's worth paying heed to materialism's placating measured explanations. If I get too wrapped up in grandiosity or terror, I tend to neglect the basic maintenance that comes with adult life, like car care, bills, and work. When my daughter woke me up by screaming hysterically that there was a burglar or something in the house and I found no evidence of an intruder, I leaned into mania. I spent the extra hours of wakefulness writing and submitting work and, with a nod to materialism, buying a home security system. See, like a troublesome puppy, I sometimes need a higher power to snap a leash to get me to behave. I want to but I frequently stumble into consumerist autopilot, ferried mindlessly from cause to effect because it's easier. I want to, but finding myself paralyzed in doom scrolling as if some amount of horrible information will be enough to finance careful decisions that will keep me safe. I want to, but sometimes the grandeur of believing you're meant to save the world can get in the way of crawling toward a goal. It can be hard to appreciate the little victories won with hard work. I want to. I really do. But sometimes my true will needs a nudge from a haunting. So JT, I don't think Jeff. I've ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever fully <laughs> thanked you as much as I should have for radicalizing me. Hmm. Fun. Uh, yeah. I, I, Which direction are you talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there's a bunch of different ways. I think that we've like collaborative, collaboratively radicalized each other. Um, I think that's sort of the whole point of Discord communities is to uh, be a source of radicalization. But like, I'm talking magic. I'm talking meditation, hermeticism, uh, anarchy, like all of those things. I feel a much more authentic version of myself <laughs> as a result. Hmm. You know. Uh, and I appreciate it. Fuck yeah. I, I, like, it, I don't think it was super effortful on your part, but uh, you definitely, like, gave me the space to be me. Mm. And that, uh, that, as a result, has made me happier. Mm. That's fucking cool. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. Wow. Um you're welcome, I guess. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I'm thinking about not, like just the way you frame that. I'm thinking about like if how much radicalization on the internet is like moving more towards being authentic for some people and how much it's just like getting brainwashed, not in the way that we talk about, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. Not in a nice way. Right. Um, yeah. I think uh, it works both ways. Doesn't this, it? Yeah. Cause this like, this kind of what you're talking about to me sounds like brainwashing a little bit in that, like we're both, we both have certain ideas about the world and like want to live in a certain way. And we're using different relationships to like brainwash ourselves to move closer in that more in that direction. Um, and just like confirm this like ideal that we have, I think. 
but yeah, the little uh, little like internet rabbit holes are places where it's really easy to get closer and closer to that version of yourself. If you're if you're like interacting with more and more people that are more similar to you in your in your ideals, it makes sense uh, that you just kind of like drift in that direction. And no, I'm not. Actually, this is funny because I've been talking about I've been talking about manipulation with a friend recently, and like, what's good manipulation? Because um, we're like we're manipulating people, we're manipulating each other all the time, mm-hmm. just kind of unconsciously. Um, and certain types are nice, like if you're if you can like manipulate a group of people into like being in a in a more like social mood, like everyone loves that. Yeah, um, but it's also like a really. And I think this is part of, like, with brainwashing, too. I'm just, like, trying to use these, like, ugly words in a more fun way. Because there's, like, there's different ways where they're actually nice. Um, But, yeah, it seems like it sounded to me like what you were saying was, was reminding me of this conversation about, like, we're manipulating each other into, like, wanting into into being closer to where we want to be. Yeah, uh, which is really fun and kind of dark, but I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it has to be dark. I think you're right that like we can reclaim these words. You know, mm. it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun to use words that don't fully fit, especially when I can't come up with anything better. But it's yeah. It's sort of uh, it's like an enablement to be more yourself, and mm. mm-hmm. I I see what you're saying. Where like definitely, I mean, when I first joined the DTFH Discord, uh, I I told my therapist that I could feel myself getting radicalized, and that I was like starting to develop yeah. some kind of wacky ideas about about the world, and uh, you know, since then I've I've reflected on it and it's like somewhere around the time that i watched the midnight gospel for the first time i sh- i phase shifted into a multi-dimensional reality where um magic is real and there's a whole mm-hmm. culture of occult people that are like interested in this stuff and take it seriously yeah. and you yeah. know all of that like where it feels weird sometimes, almost like a mandala effect that uh, like I, I wasn't aware of any of this before. And now suddenly there's like all of these pretty well-respected people, you know, like especially when you mm. get to someone like Doug Rushkoff, who's like, you know, doing like chaos magic on the side while also lobbying uh, Congress people. Like, mm, and mm-hmm. he's like this thought leader, you know, it's like a really, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting role that he's carved out for himself. Uh, and it's just not a world that I was exposed to before. So I felt myself getting radicalized yeah. and my therapist was like, you know, I trust you, Jeff, that if they start passing out the Kool-Aid, you're going to say like, I, I think I'll pass on Give that. me some. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i'm not trying to heaven's gate myself here but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh but yeah i think the difference between us and our like sort of wholesome radicalization of each other and uh you know, someone who like falls into like a QAnon rabbit hole where the world becomes terrifying and uh, there's like dire situations that require a violent response. Um, or like ISIS. I mean, ISIS sort of pioneered the radicalization mm. of internet strangers and got a whole mm. bunch of people to fly to Syria or whatever. Um, but the difference yeah. is, I think we're doing it with a, a, and maybe this sounds not so humble, but I think we're doing it with a sort of intention and, and like a, a mindfulness where, um, you know, 
everything that we do is like all the media that we take in and all the practices that we engage in meditatively or whatever, I hear like a ticking in the background. Mm. Time, time is uh, running out. <laughs> I don't hear anything. Is that on your end? Maybe it's on my end. Maybe it's just the phone call being recorded. We're, we're tapped by the CIA. Oh, probably that, yeah. <laughs> uh, it stopped. Anyway, sorry, it was distracting me. What was I saying? No, you're good. Uh, ISIS was... ISIS paved the way for uh, podcast group radicalization on the internet. <laughs> I think <laughs> was where we were at. So we should be thanking ISIS for us coming together. I think is where you were going. <laughs> no. No. I think I think what I was trying to say is that um <clears throat> if you sort of behave as like a cause and effect automaton and allow mm-hmm. yourself to sort of get drawn unthinkingly into deeper and deeper conspiracies without maintaining a sort mm-hmm. of playful curiosity and like um, that like Robert Anton Wilson, like polynosticism, I like to call it where you're willing to believe multiple things simultaneously and like, mm. and, and, and without that, like pragmatism to like notice that, you know, this is creating such and such behavior changes in my life and, you know, evaluating your, the beliefs that you're adopting in the process of this radicalization in the context of like, is this good for me? Am I, am I acting kinder? Am I, am I being more mm-hmm. compassionate? Am I, um, am I learning interesting things? Am I growing as a person? You know, mm-hmm. uh, am I less afraid of death? <laughs> in like, mm-hmm. in all of those uh, quadrants or 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 sectors, I guess, since there's more than four, uh, I feel like I've become a more well-rounded, authentic person. And I, I feel Mm. really good about that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And you're to blame. You're, you're, (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. You really helped out with that. I'm really, I'm really grateful for Mm. you. Mm. Appreciate it. Should we just gush at each other for an hour? (laughs) we could or i could uh i could draw a tarot card (laughs) that sounds good yeah let's get some uh yeah some some sort of like a lens to look at this with because i don't really know where to go i just feel like have i i don't know have i embarrassed you with my um with my gushing Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> Just I, except you for said, thank you. Yeah, you said thank and you. I, I like, think that's all you need to say to that. Throw that back at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's so. Really quick before you draw a card, and this is like, there's something about there's something like really uncomfortable about like receiving compliments where you need to like, where I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people feel this way, but I'm going to try to speak from my own perspective. Like someone says something nice and then there's this immediate, like almost like immediate reaction to like throw it back at them. And like, Oh, like you gave me something like I need to give you a compliment like Mm. immediately back. You know, you got to reciprocate. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard sometimes to just like sit, in that appreciation and be like oh yeah you're like you're right there's like there is something uh i don't know what it's about exactly but it's like i don't want to like allow (laughs) allow that to just like be like me just being appreciated in in the moment (laughs) it needs to be like it needs to be like reciprocated like instantly (laughs) to like to not feel like i'm taking too much (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're allowed to weird, take. It is oh, weird. Yeah. It, you're allowed it's to such take a up weird, space. Like response, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. But I like. 
I know I know a lot of people that feel a similar oh, sort yeah. of like discomfort with like receiving like receiving in general, but receiving compliments is something where Yeah. It's like it's easy to just immediately respond with another compliment. Um Right. Yeah, it's, it's sort of the like how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Sort of like social handshake. It feels like yeah. somewhat of like an extension of that. You just like, oh, I've received a compliment. I need to give you a compliment immediately. Maybe that's part. I think that's part of the this like feeling like, okay, let's move on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're trying to deflect the attention away from yourself, yeah. I think, when you're yeah. doing that, right? Like you. Oh, yeah. You totally. don't want to be seen as good i guess i don't know or i there's, like it's yeah, not maybe, just you there's you're, some of that right yeah i hear you i know i know you're not like saying that about me even though that might be true about me <laughs> as an individual <laughs> yeah well for i mean like that was one of the uh first things i worked on with uh the therapist that i had before my current therapist was just okay, like yeah. receiving compliments Like, Mm. pretty much every day he would Mm -hmm. compliment me on something, and I'd, like, you know, I had so much trouble just saying thank you, even. Just accepting it. Um, Yeah. And this is the therapist I did, like, Reikian therapy with. Reikian? Wilhelm Reich? Yeah. Reikian. Reikian. Okay. Yeah, this is it's like the somatic therapy where they, like press on your um chakra points or whatever uh and uh like while doing are you doing talk therapy while they're doing body work that sounds cool yeah exactly and he was you know he's a licensed mft so he's like competent in uh both sectors Uh or more than competent he like really changed my life um yeah (laughs) uh the only reason i left was because i wasn't living in the same city anymore um, mm-hmm. but, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he would, um, he would say that when we first started doing this Reiki and therapy, I wasn't able to feel anything like below my neck, uh, emotionally. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, uh. It was like a a, a a feeling numbness. Like I I was I, I always told people like I can only mm. ever experience anger and anxiety. Those are the only two emotions that I have access to. Yeah, two <laughs> like super big, super hot ones. Yeah, exactly. And they like for impossible me, to ignore. I was feeling them like impossible in my to head. Yourself from exactly. Oh uh, uh, yeah. And I was feeling them like in my head. I was feeling like ice water. Mm-hmm on my brain for anxiety and Mm. like a heat and tightness in my forehead for anger. And, Mm. uh, and so he would like give me these compliments and then he'd be like, okay, what are you feeling right now? And over the course of like doing the like therapeutic massage, it's also called somatic therapy, like body therapy. Uh, Mm. and over the course of doing it, um, I became more aware of physical sensations elsewhere in my body. And so I started to be able to say like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little fluttery in my chest after having received that compliment. And slowly I was able to Mm -hmm. like actually say thank you without like deflecting in some way or, uh, you know, (laughs) like rejecting Uh it or returning it or whatever. It was, uh, yeah. It, it definitely required a lot of, like, intentional introspection to even get to the point <laughs> where I was... Man. Yeah. It's just so wild to me that, like, there can be so much work involved in just, like, feeling your emotions in your body. I've gone through a similar process, and I'm still working on this, like, feeling emotions versus, like, thinking the thoughts or, like acting like my thoughts associated with emotions are the feelings themselves. Like that's a real, that's been like, that's a difficult thing to tease apart. It's wild to me though, that like, not just you, but like the general, you would need to practice just like sitting and receiving a compliment or like feeling an emotion in your body. Right. 
like the how we get like how do we get so disconnected from that stuff? It's it, that's wild to me. Yeah. And then taking years and years to like get back to a point where like oh you're just like you're feeling all the sensations in your body. You can understand like the difference between feeling an emotion and like a thought that's associated with it on top of it and like yeah. the ideas that are underneath it or like the beliefs that are beneath it or whatever. Right. Like. Uh, <laughs> there's so much like so many layers happening at the same time but yeah like where we get so disconnected from our bodies and like from our emotions is is like so trippy to me yeah and you know i have to believe that humans aren't like this by nature you know what i mean like that's yeah that's i go there immediately too right like my instinct is to blame yeah. it on like agriculture or industrialization <laughs> or something you know like yeah. this is civilization's fault in some way you know mm-hmm. um but i don't know i i and i also wonder yeah, whether it's like go ahead sorry i also wonder whether it's like um harder for men in Hmm. in yeah western society there's some of that there's yeah there's gotta be some of that that's like that's like socialized um for sure for sure i wonder too if we're just we're still like learning we're i mean we're in the middle of like an evolutionary process we're like we're maybe still learning to incorporate like thoughts into the, the the like stream of of consciousness maybe or whatever like Feeling and, like, bodily reactions and responses have been a thing for so, so long. And, like, as far as we know, uh, conscious thought, like, kind of just popped up. And so maybe we're just, like, mm. we're still kind of, like, reeling from that that <laughs> evolutionary step. And we're trying to figure out, like, how do these, like, how do these relate to each other? Like, like what is the mind? Where does it, like, come in in this, like sort of timeline of like reacting to an event and what's happening in the body that like translates into emotions and thoughts and like where the lines are between those. We're like still kind of, we're still kind of figuring that stuff out maybe too. Cause I do, I also want to blame civilization for everything, but there's, <laughs> I think there's more, <laughs> there's more there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You're right. And it is like, it's distracting to have this internal monologue going all the time. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, conscious thought by itself it distracts from mm. the visceral sensations of feelings and yeah, totally. Hundred mm. percent. So our our mistake maybe wasn't you know farming wheat so much as um, evolving into humans. <laughs> yeah, why did we start thinking in the first place? That's very fucked up. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, but we couldn't have a podcast without thinking, especially not this podcast. <laughs> mm. All right, let's draw a card. All right. What does JT want to talk about? Oh no. Why me? I, I got a rough card. Uh, a rough one? A rough one, yeah. I'm interested to see... I, I asked the cards what you wanted to talk about, and I got the Nine of Swords, which is... Okay, tell uh, me about that card. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a guy in bed. Uh, he's, like, sitting up in bed. He's got his head in his hands. Uh, this is the Rider Waite deck, of course. Uh, and mm. uh, and the like background is all black, but there's these like swords in the air that are kind of overlapping each other. And it's a card that's about like uh, anxiety, worry, fear, depression, nightmares. Like it's a it's a pretty mm. heavy card. A lot of the swords cards are on the heavier side. Um, mm. but yeah, like swords is intellect, right. And thinking. So this is kind of like this, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but like, this is the, the overthinking and being sort of, um, attacked by your thoughts. 
Uh, gotcha. And even even reversed, it's like inner turmoil, deep seated fears, secrets, um, and then the one like positive thing uh, in my little handbook <laughs> is releasing worry. Uh, so maybe maybe that's the the less negative uh, aspect that we can mm. return to as we mm. have this conversation. Huh. It might not even be your anxiety. I'm having a lot of anxiety lately about this whole, uh, uh, like, doctor process that I've been going through with uh, IVF. Mm. Like... I think I I told you uh, Freedom bought me a box of uh, crystals yeah. for my birthday, which is tomorrow, uh-huh. by the way. Uh-huh. Officially. Yeah. Uh, she can never wait <laughs> to to give me a present. Like as soon as it arrives, she's like, I I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it's not even me. Like that's really sweet. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. she's so sweet. <laughs> Uh, it's not even me like bugging her like can I open it can I open it it's like her (laughs) open it open it you know (laughs) so uh, she gets me this like beautiful uh, like hexagonal box and there's like a ribbon holding it closed it's one of the coolest present boxes I've ever seen and inside is this Mm. like Easter grass it's like black Easter grass that you would find in an Easter basket the like plastic stuff oh yeah yeah and she's individually uh-huh. wrapped in uh, in like this cute little tissue paper even the tissue paper was cute the whole thing was presented so delightfully and in the uh. tissue paper were these uh, crystals and uh, you know it's like hmm. y- you know like pretty pretty foreign to me uh crystal types but she wrote me like a little poem because i i've never been super into crystals i she knows that i like charge water uh using Mm -hmm. my like occult skills (coughs) excuse me she knows that i charge water using my occult skills but she doesn't know yeah that um or I guess I I don't know of all the other things that I could potentially charge, and so, hmm. uh, and so she wrote me like this adorable poem explaining what all the different crystals are for and how they all relate to this like IVF you know adventure that we're on together to mm-hmm. uh, you know bring a a baby into the world. And yeah. uh, one of them was uh, Moonstone, and it's like a pocket rock that you're supposed to... It's like uh, concave on one side, and it just is like the shape of, you know, your hand. It, like if you mm. were... It, it just fits perfectly into your hand in like a really intentional way. And so it, oh, yeah. like the concave side is really super pleasant to like... Um, thumb uh, like rub with your thumb while it's in your pocket and the meaning behind that stone is like it's supposed to promote uh, calmness and emotional balance and it's about uh, you know it's a stone that's supposed to help you deal with problems of infertility and so her whole story behind Mm -hmm. it was that she like wanted me to uh, have something as like a a grounding you know, a source of grounding while we're going through all these, like, horrible, you know, <laughs> often degrading mm. and stressful uh, doctor conversations. Um, so I have, like, something that I can just kind of, like, rub in my pocket to, like, keep myself centered while we're getting anxious news and stuff. And so that's, like, that's one yeah. of the big things that I'm, like, I'm worried about right now and i'm fucking worried about the like raising a kid you know like there was this great (laughs) tiktok that i saw recently where uh the guy was talking about like what millennials were told as kids and it's like you can be anything when you grow up and then it's like Mm. what millennials will tell their kids yeah, honey, you can be anything, but right now you gotta program that police drone to desalinate water or we're all gonna die. (laughs) 
That's a fantastic uh, joke. I'll try, I'll try to find it and like leave it in the show notes so that I'm like, you know, <laughs> actually giving credit for that because I stole it word for word. But uh, it it is scary. Like even with Layla, who's seven now, she's learning like multiplication and she's learning, you know, reading and she's developing better handwriting and stuff. And it's like I keep wondering: Are these the important skills for? Uh, whatever generation she belongs to or should I be teaching her how to like hunt and fish and build fires like what you who knows what world is she gonna grow up in you know yeah it's like it's so especially the last like I don't know 70 years like it's almost impossible to know like things are things are changing so quickly yeah, is it like do you do you prepare yourself to live in this like and work in this like digital like VR sort of universe? Right. Or yeah, do we go in the direction of getting more wild and more in, into like the uncivilized like wilderness, yeah. Um Yeah. Or is it this sort of Yeah, I wonder I wonder if there's like I always wonder if there's like splits happening there. Um, as much as I don't want to believe in like bifurcation and like dualism, like it's hard not to make those kind of, uh, like kind of ideas pop out for me. Um, bifurcation yeah, of do people go, do people go, well, yeah. Like do people go, is there like a, is there like a clan of humans who like go into the digital realm and then there's one clan of oh. humans that like continue to evolve like more in touch with how the cycles of the earth are operating and then there's right. the one that kind of like extends themselves into the stars oh. goes to mars and like creates a colony and then moves on to a different solar system that's like, really interesting i never thought about it that way like it doesn't have to just be one thing like the the um you know the billionaires with their new zealand bunkers might continue to maintain uh, this like technological progress and like transhumanism and they're gonna like build themselves mm-hmm. a matrix and put themselves in like cryogenic um, freeze <laughs> you know to like yeah you know like uh, so that they can live forever in VR you know like they're living 60 years every second or something and like that's the mm. world that they go into and then like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like the rest of us might be going toward like a very cool, in my opinion, like anarcho primitive, um, like awakened, you know, divine feminine mm. dominated, uh, society mm. where we are, um, yeah, like we have more agency and self-determination, more fulfilling lives, more connection with nature, um, you know we're 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 not needed as slaves anymore because they've got robots so we kind of just like fend for ourselves <laughs> you know and yeah. uh and like uh and like ha- have that like marxian fantasy of like you garden in the morning and then you read a novel in the evening and then you talk philosophy over dinner you know like that sounds cool it does sound cool and then the <laughs> the like Mars escapists can do their yeah. own thing too and like colonize the galaxy. And we that this could actually be like a legitimate like um I like the word bifurcation, but it it's like it's three things, so maybe it's a trifurcation of <laughs> polyfurcation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Into like almost different species. Yeah, and then we could maybe, I mean, maybe in part of that, we could get over this, like, huge argument we've been having since, I don't know, governments about, like, how we best live. (laughs) And, like, we can all, like, allow ourselves to do completely different things and, like, be like, wow, those people over there are super wild, but, you know, that's, that's their trip. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I hope we can get to a point where we can all like take care of our everyone's needs are kind of taken care of because of the power of civilization and like the power of technology but then every then we can kind of 
intentionally decide like okay where do we go from here uh i like that's kind of the the dream for me but yeah we'll see that does sound nice and you know there's like uh to bring up like doug rushkoff again or russell brand or even duncan trussell to a degree there's like a a real hunger for uh, anarcho-syndicalism, which is kind of what this is about, right? Where it's like, we, we're like a micro-state of like 250 people, or you could even just call it a tribe mm. or a syndicate or whatever, um, where like, we have figured out, you know, our way of living, and we're going to have our own sort of intentional community. That's a really big thing on like the liminal web and, and the... Um, the what's the other one called the oh the intellectual dark web i just learned these terms recently mm. so i'm like i'm not going to be able to describe <laughs> exactly what they refer to super well um but it i uh i do think that we uh there's that ticking again you don't hear it no Anyway, I'll probably cut out both of those mentions of the ticking. <laughs> There's a ticking. I'm going mad. But yeah, so, I mean, the regardless of the definitions of the liminal web and the intellectual dark web, the it, idea of, like, intentional communities based on shared values and a, a, whatever balance that a... Uh, individual syndicate wants to strike with nature and with technology and all of those things like this idea that we can get together with people who are similar to us in meat space and yeah. live our lives based on whatever is important to us is uh, is really uh, attractive to me and then we can mm. go online to, you know, like in an ideal world, uh, at that point, like Google and, and uh, Facebook and, you know, whatever, whatever methods through which people ingest the, the metaverse uh, huh. or the polyverse, as, as I've also heard it called, which is nice because I don't want to like plug Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um mm. But whatever whatever methods people use to like uh, connect to many people are uh, could potentially evolve toward uh, exposure to um, people who are different than you. So you're living in meat space. It's the reverse of what we have now. You're living in meat space yeah, yeah. Uh, with people who like share your values. You've got your like echo chamber of 250 people and you all know each other and you're all like, you know, bartering, you know, time and, and, and fucking, I don't know, napped rocks or something <laughs> woven baskets or, uh, even like tech skills, like maybe I build you a website and you return uh, by uh, serving me awesome cocktails or whatever, you know, like we, we can just get rid of money. That would be ideal. Um, but like, or, or you like teach me guitar or you help me out with some gardening, you know, like that whole time bank concept where like I gave you an hour, now you give mm -hmm. me an hour. And uh, I think it's super idealistic and utopian, but the idea that we could just sort of flip what we have now where we don't know our neighbors, but we're super close to people who live two states away and yeah. instead like be really close with all of our neighbors and uh, travel online to sort of expand our perspective mm. and engage with people who are different than us. I think that that would be a, a much huh. better configuration yeah. of society. I'm into it. That sounds fun. Yeah. This is, you know, yeah, I like, I like the idea of traveling online to kind of like explore different ideas or like ways of living or cause I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of travel for me in like the, the meat realm is like seeing 
just like seeing from the outside different people's lives and like how different cities are constructed and yeah how different how like how different things operate in different places um so yeah it's cool doing that on the internet too yeah this is a different feel it is it is i mean that's like definitely one of the uh one of the allures of tourism <laughs> it, like mm-hmm. you can definitely do it where you are where you are sort of only visiting the really touristy spots where everyone is not from around there and like there's the only culture is like kitsch you know uh yeah attractions or whatever uh but it's like a lot more fun to like figure out where the locals like to hang out and you know connect with people who you never would have met if you hadn't uh traveled Mm. into that that area and i think like oh yeah i mean it uh a tour of like 250 person intentional communities would be really cool too to like see how they've organized things and it reminds me of uh when freedom was in the girl scouts i think or she was a camp counselor somewhere uh, mm. She went on a tour of all the summer summer camps in the area, and like, you know, the idea was to like get ideas about how to um, improve the summer camp that she came from. Yeah. Hmm. But this is like hmm. this is like an aspect of releasing worry for me that's been coming up a lot lately. Is like. Oh, yeah. You know, with all the yeah, to bring it back to the nine of swords, that like that one positive characteristic of the cards, that uh, a couple steps back in the conversation, we were talking about um, the trifurcation of of the species that might be going on right now, and I've become a lot more comfortable with the apocalypse since. I started listening to Paul Selig all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I am, uh, I am, I am much more comfortable with the idea of like not being an immortal transhuman who like gets to live in the matrix with those uh, billionaires than I was, you know, in 2019. Like now that I've now that I've been radicalized by you and the other. Uh, DTFH folks, it actually feels like uh, you know, either I'll reincarnate into Utopia or we're we're approaching as a result of all the disasters, you know, like the death of a civilization that will also uh, contain within it the seeds for uh, the birth of, you know, like the reincarnation of the next civilization that will be like a, a much more exciting place to live or much more fulfilling and meaningful mm. place to live. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm, mm. I'm uh, feeling more comfortable about lately. Yeah. Huh. So apocalypse, like things are crumbling and, everything's collapsing sort of way yeah yeah like the you know the bo burnham special the uh inside where he's like that song that funny feeling and he's talking about like it's been forty thousand years of this and seven more to go and like uh Uh uh, it the whole like theme of the song is like we had a good run (laughs) and now it's almost over yeah uh then the ship is sinking, and so... Yeah, and... Y- Here we go. The the <laughs> ocean's rising, and the ship is sinking, and, you know, it's all about to be... A, we're, we're done as a species. It's a mass extinction that we're all going to die through anyway. And I don't know. I, uh, after... I mean, I was just blown away the first time I listened to Paul Selig on the DTFH, like... There was clearly something going on here that I couldn't explain. And I, I, maybe, you know, it's a cool parlor trick or whatever. He's figured out how to do this, like, repetition of phrases super fast and, you know, whatever. But pragmatically, uh, the 
the effects of believing that it's a real thing are that I'm not so scared to death anymore because there's beings without bodies and mm-hmm. the message that mm. these beings without bodies are are potentially giving is like you're going to reincarnate and you're here to learn lessons and you've chosen to incarnate in this particular time in order to uh, ex- like tick some boxes on your um, on your soul's checklist before they uh, attain enlightenment mm. and become a god or whatever. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very it makes it easier to sort of yeah like accept all the bullshit, <laughs> right? As just like the souls going through different graduations throughout lifetimes yeah exactly like you whatever challenge that you're confronted with it's like um i mean it's hard to do in the moment and of course it's only major assholes who will tell you like everything happens for a reason when your kid dies or whatever but uh but you know once you've like come out of the like fight or flight response and and like gotten into the bath and you're uh taking care of yourself reframing whatever you're being challenged by as like a lesson that your soul was um was requiring uh yeah it's very like it's very carol dweck actually it's like growth mindset stuff Mm. um you're just you're an unfinished process and there's like there's more for you to learn yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you hmm hmm thank you do you want to uh, i feel like that's a that's a i think that's a an, i think that's a beautiful place to end i think yeah. so too yeah <laughs> i feel like that's a, a yeah. natural sort of like yeah all right well thanks again for radicalizing me into this you know non-fear of death uh, that, <laughs> that I've now uh, found myself in. I, my anxieties, worries, fears, depression, and nightmares <laughs> are significantly <laughs> reduced. And, uh, uh, and I appreciate you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it there you, so that you uh, yeah. don't feel required to uh, reciprocate that compliment. Mm, thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye, dude. <laughs> Bye.